With lockdown two here, our sponsors Bison Beer have you covered. Their lock-in box contains a selection of 12 brews from Sussex to help you hunker down and stay safe. Free same-day delivery in the local area is available all week, so head to bisonbeer.co.uk to stock up. This is Football, the Albion and me with Richard Newman. Hello, welcome to episode 24 of Football, the Albion and me. I'm Richard Newman. This is the podcast which catches up with Brighton and Hove Albion favourites and gives them the time and space to tell their career stories. We get to know them a little bit better off the pitch too. Now, every now and again, I'll throw out a question to listeners. Who would you like to hear from the most? And by far, the most regular answer is Hans Cray. So here's a little special for you. Hans is evil was the chance which followed him at Albion. He became a cult hero. Fans loved him and he looks back at his time at the club just as fondly. He's now one of the top TV pundits in Dutch football. So I was extremely grateful to get some time with him. Some brilliant stories in this one. Enjoy. Follow Football, The Albion and me on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Hans, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It's an honour to have you on. So many requests for you to come on from a lot of fans. So really looking forward to getting stuck into this one. Now, um, at the moment, I know you're... Uh, thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, it's so good for you to give up your time. Now, I, I know you're a pretty well-known TV personality now in the Netherlands. So what is it that you do there? Um, I, I work uh, for Fox Sports. Uh, we are the the, the, the holders. The, the how do you call it? Um, right holders. Yeah. We, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right holders of uh, all the professional football uh, in Holland. I do um, the analysis of the Dutch national uh, team on television. Um, I do uh, the analysis of uh, the championship uh, games. I'm. Uh, I have the privilege to do for Fox Sports. Um, very often the, the interviews straight after the game uh, for, for, the, for the top clubs, Feyenoord, Ajax, PSV, uh, but also all the other um, Premier League uh, Dutch clubs. Mm-hmm. We call it the Eredivisie. And I'm, uh, I'm very lucky to, to have been for the last 15 years in the, in the most uh, exciting football talk show, mm-hmm. Veronica Inside. That's uh, what, what nearly everyone who likes football uh, watches every every Monday and every Friday. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very privileged. Yeah, I, I, I've heard that is well, you know the biggest the biggest program of its kind in the Netherlands. Um, and I mean, you've had you've had quite a, a, a big TV career, which we're going to come on to a little bit later on. But I think even before football, were you not were you also presenting some entertainment programs as well, sort of home video stuff like we've got over here. We've got you've been framed, for example. I think a lot of people can relate to. <laughs> Yeah, we all have done things that uh, we're not very proud of. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll come on to that a little bit later. Look, let's, um, like all podcasts, we go all the way back to the beginning, uh, to yep. go back to the young hands, to kick off a look back through your career. So you, are you born in Utrecht, is that right? And, and that's where your dad's, the former Netherlands and final defender, was playing at the time. Yeah, my uh, my dad was um, um, was a player of Feyenoord, and uh, he was a, a national team player. Uh, a very typical uh, English central defender, he was good header, hard, <laughs> but fair. And um, later on, he um, he became uh, the manager of uh, uh, Ajax, Feyenoord, PSV, and. AZ. AZ Alkmaar is also an, a, a good upcoming uh, club in Holland. They finished uh, 
second in the last uh, last uh, Eredivisie Premier uh, Dutch Premier League uh, competition before the Corona stopped everything, the horrible Corona. And uh, he's the, the only manager uh, ever in Holland, uh, as uh, the same as Ronald Koeman, who had the privilege to train those four top clubs. So um, from the moment I could uh, uh, walk, I could uh, uh, hear, I could see, I was uh, busy with football, 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 football and football. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you, I mean, that must have been, it must have been a huge thing in your in your home growing up. Was there, was there sort of anything else you were really interested in when you were growing up or was it all football? Um, girls and that uh, <laughs> g- girls and later on women and that has cost me a lot of money <laughs> um look who, who did you end up growing so uh, who do you support when you grew up then was it someone that was linked to your dad um well i i i've i grown up um my my my, my dad was the player of final and final is, is is a big uh, yeah. big international club and he was also a youth uh, manager. So we lived uh, right uh, at the youth complex when I was four or five years old. So from that, that moment on, I saw all the, all the big players from Feyenoord. They came and, 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 and watched uh, the youth teams on the Wednesday afternoon. They, um, they, they weren't superstars like, uh, like now that, that you only can, as a spectator, as a supporter, you can only see the, the players uh, arrive on the, on the coach and uh, leave on the coach. You could touch them. And uh, so, yeah, for, for me, it was normal to, to be around uh, the big stars that won the European Cup in 1970 against the uh, Celtic. Yeah, and because you were around you, them... You, you don't remember that, Richard. <laughs> That's a bit before my time. time. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah but I mean, because, because of your dad and because of you would have been hanging around a lot of footballers um, at the time, I guess for you, was, was the career as a footballer then always the goal? There, there has nothing uh, else has come up in my head than to become a professional footballer. Hmm. And I, uh, I played for, um, for, for 10, 11 years in the youth of uh, Feyenoord, in, the, in all the youth teams. And um, then I, um, um, they picked me by AZ. And I, I lived with, uh, with a very kind family when I, from when I was 17 years old. And when I was 18, I uh, had my debut in the, in, the, in the Dutch Premier League, the Eredivisie. I call it, we must call it the Eredivisie. Yeah, we call it Eredivisie, that's fine. <laughs> Um, and then from, and from that moment on, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I don't, I, I never say I had a football career. Um, my wife uh, blames me. Of course, you had a career. How can you say you didn't have a career? But I always say, you must play uh, thirty uh, uh, odd uh, international games to have a career. You must play for for Liverpool, for for Juventus, for Barcelona to say that you have a career. But maybe. Uh, um, I, I, uh, I'm too, too modest uh, to myself. Yeah, is, that, I think. is that good English? My English is terrible. Yeah. Eh? No, no. <laughs> yeah. no, it's, no uh, but you're, you're a, a Brighton legend, uh, despite, <laughs> despite the amount of time that you, you spent with the club. So we're going to come on to that in a, in a bit. Do you ever think back and think, um, what would I have done if I, was, if I hadn't have made it as a footballer? Uh, no, I don't want to think about it. <laughs> I don't want to think about it. My, my dad always uh, said to me, um, 
hands, um, listen to me. There are three things you, you shouldn't do in your life. Don't become a professional footballer because the, it's, it's, it's a very jealous, it's very horrible, it's, it's a very sneaky world. Uh, don't become a manager uh, because uh, that's the same. And never go uh, in, in this horrible television world. Um, that, that are the three things my dad has done. So um, you, you, you can, you're smiling already. Uh, I never listened to anyone. <laughs> and, <laughs> because um, I've done all three of them. Yeah, absolutely. And um, making a very good career of it. And, and were you always a defender? Uh, in, 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 my, in my youth time, um, my, 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 my former colleagues uh, will doubt that. Uh, Frank Worthington, Terry Connor, Daniel Wilson, uh, Joe Corrigan, they, they, they will think he wasn't that, that skillful. I was more, uh, in, in my Brighton time, a tackler, uh, a header, a fighter, and giving the ball to, uh, to better players. But when I was young, they gave the ball to me. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what went wrong. <laughs> well, look, it's, um, I guess a lot, we talk a lot about, um, over here anyway, about the, the sort of the Dutch youth system and how it's kind of, it's sort of envied around the world, isn't it, in terms of the sort of technical proficiency. Do you think that when you... We're going to come back to it in a minute, but in terms of what you thought of the difference in styles when you got to England. Um, but did you, do you feel but like when you got to Brighton, then you maybe adapted your style a little bit? The, the way I came to Brighton was, 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 was very, uh, very uh, um, crazy because I was suspended for 24 games in Holland. Yeah. Uh, I gave the referee a little push and um, they, accelerated, uh, they accelerated a little bit. Uh, I was hoping for six or seven games. They made it 24 game suspension. And, uh, and then Chris Catlin asked me to come on trial uh, in England for one month in Brighton, the former manager, my favorite manager. And um, because if you were suspended in your country in those times, 1983 it was, then you were allowed to play uh, in another country. So um, Chris Catlin did hear about it and uh, an agent told him that uh, I was a, a fighting midfield player, central defender. So I came to, uh, to, um, to Brighton and at the first uh, training session, in, in, in order to answer your question, did I adapt to the English game, uh, they, they were shocked. The players were shocked. It was raining uh, in, the, in our practice uh, um, field and I was tackling and tackling and tackling and even uh, Jimmy Case said after 15 minutes, what the fuck are you doing? I said playing football. I'm in England, so they had to <laughs> to adapt to me, and Chris Catlin uh, was was so scared that uh, to put me in the team, he wanted to put me in the team, but he thought, Jesus, he will get every single game, he will get a red card in this country, and uh, so it took me quite a while to get in the team, mm-hmm. uh, in a beautiful team, in, in a really beautiful team with. Can I say it now, the names you said? Keep it yeah. for later, Hans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Joe Corrigan was there, the, the, the goalkeeper for Manchester City. Uh, Steve Foster uh, with, the, with, the, with the headband uh, from the national team was there. Uh, Jimmy Case from Liverpool. Tony Grealish on the midfield. Danny Wilson. Uh, the second year, Frank Worthington, my, my big friend. Uh, Gordon Smith. Um, you must know that, Richard, if you yep. know your classics. <laughs> yes, he course. was the guy who would have, should have 
given uh, history forever and ever and ever when he missed that uh, that big chance in 1983 cup final Brighton Manchester United it was mm. too old and uh, mm. yeah. Smudgy was his, name, his, his nickname I think great guy and he's been I, I think if He's still he's still having a sleepless night over that chance. Yeah, it's one of the most famous bits of commentary in yeah. uh, British football when Smith must score. Um, before you got to Brighton, we're going to come right back to Brighton and really get into that in a yeah. second. You you had a, a bit of a varied career because you went off to the USA first, didn't you? Before you came back to the Netherlands, how did that come about? I played uh, at that time in uh, nineteen eighty. Um, most of the players went to, to America to play football, like George Best when he was 35, mm. 36, uh, like Johan Cruyff, uh, mm. like Johan Niskens, uh, like Frank Worthington. Uh, he, he, he went there, um, I think, in the, at the same time I was there, Philadelphia Furies he played for and the Tampa Bay Rowdies. They were the teams that don't exist uh, now anymore. It was a, a country to pick up, uh, the, to catch the money in three months' time. The, the season was 34 games from... April till uh, the beginning of uh, September. So uh, you went there at the end of the, your season uh-huh. and then you came back when the season in England and in Holland just started uh, four or five games. And it was all about uh, the money to go there for players who are uh, ending their careers and just wanted to make the best out of it financially. And uh, in, in the last game of 1980, I played in uh, against Ajax and there was a an, an, Amer- an American scout, Milan Menderich. Mm-hmm. He became later a very good friend of uh, George Best. Uh, he saw me play, and after the game, he said, uh, you, you were number six. And uh, I said, uh, yes, I was the number six. But I thought he was interested in the number six of Ajax, Sir Lerby, a great player. He said, do you like to go to, uh, to the United States? I said, yes, of course. When, uh, where to? He said... I'm the, I'm the boss of the San Jose Earthquakes. George Best is playing there. We have signed Gus Hiddink, the, the former manager of Chelsea. Uh, yep, yeah. We signed, he was 35 as well. And uh, he's coming and uh, we're leaving tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning? So I told my parents, we're leaving. I'm leaving tomorrow morning for uh, San Jose in California. And uh, a very strange reaction. They said, uh, oh, good luck. We bring you to the airport and uh, we'll see you later. Because they were a little bit embarrassed the way I was playing football, play, uh, the way I was playing football in Holland, because I got so many uh, red cards, uh, yellow cards. So I was 19, and uh, all of a sudden I was in the, in the dressing room with George Best, with Gus Hiddink, <laughs> and uh, yeah, a, a wow. lot of other uh, English players. And yeah, it, it was a great time. It yeah, was I a bet really it was. great time, especially with George Best, who. Uh, he really, he really was the best. And Gus uh, and I, we were living in the apartment next to him. So, so um, we, we, we thought he's a drinker. And we never saw him drink. Right. But because he's, he's, and then I asked him, why don't you drink? Are you the real George Best? <laughs> and uh, he said, my, uh, my wife gives me a pill every morning. So uh, as soon as I drink one drop of alcohol, then everything, but then everything what's inside me will come out. So he was playing fantastically. He was playing unbelievable. He was the man of the match seven, eight times in a row. And then um, all of a sudden we went on the road. Uh, we had nine games in, in uh, um, three home games in nine days. 
And then in nine days, you did tour around America and we were in Portland, playing against the Portland Timbers. And um, after the game, there was a, there was a, a bit of an earthquake. And um, instead of taking the plane with one hour, we took the, the coach uh, for uh, 12 hours. And in that coach, there were waitresses, there was food, there was drink. And Gus Hiddink and, and I were, we never saw him drink. And we were sitting behind him and he ordered a glass of wine. He ordered, uh, after 15 minutes, another glass of wine. And after two hours, he said to the, to the waitresses, fuck the glasses, bring the bottles. And he drank, I think, um, 15 bottles of white wine on the way back to San Jose, got out of the coach, ordered a taxi, went to LA to his pub. And then after a week, he came back in the, in the dressing room and with, with a big blown up, he said good English, uh, head, uh, red, and then he went to all the on the lads and uh, all the players. Sorry, George is back. Sorry, George is back. Sorry, George is back. And then after three days, the next game, he was the best again. Mm. So it was a, a very strange time to uh, yeah. to to see who he was. Mm. And well, in England, probably everyone knows that uh, he was an on and off drinker. Yeah. But we always thought that he was always drinking. But he did it. Um, he called it a bender. As, as you know, yep. so five games, fantastic. Uh, after the training session uh, from nine to twelve, in 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 the heat, he said uh, to me, "Come on, hands, we got, we're gonna play squash." And then he put uh, a plastic uh, jacket under his uh, training jacket, and in the heat, we were playing squash together. And then you you thought, unbelievable that he wasted so much time with so much talent. It was it was so special to play with him. Yeah. Um, it was it was um, almost as special as playing for Bryce. <laughs> yeah, really, yeah. really, really, really nice tribute. And you know, we know he's a, he's a he was a, a phenomenal player, a troubled man. But um, yeah, a, 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 with some of the things that off the pitch, but um, just a phenomenal player. Um, let's come back to you. Uh, you've mentioned obviously you went to, you've mentioned quite a few times about your disciplinary record. Um, already so you you've brought that up and we'll come back to the we'll come back a little bit later to the hands is evil chant um yeah were you always a player <laughs> who plays on the edge yeah I, um, on the edge. <laughs> well no i i wasn't in, in when i was playing uh, in in the youth teams i uh, i played in the in the in in in, in a lot of um uh, good youth teams and at final what we played uh, technical uh, skillful football playing uh, on the ground like like uh, Manchester City uh, Liverpool like most English teams are playing now I think except for Burnley they they hoof it up eh? they, uh, they, <laughs> but um, I was I was quite a technical player but uh, Gus Hedding uh, ruined everything for me we were playing together on the midfield uh, at San Jose earthquakes and uh, he was winding me up. We were 3-0 ahead of, uh, of San Jose Earthquakes against the San Diego Soccer's. Um, George Best scored three goals. And he had a double scissor uh, always. Right foot over the ball, left foot over the ball, and going past people over the left foot over the right. It was fantastic, phenomenal to see that. And Gus Hedding said five minutes before the end of the game, uh, somewhere in the middle of the season, come on, Hans, what George Best can do, you can do as well. And I got the ball and right foot over, left foot over. And then uh, I, uh, 
I, I, I wrapped everything in my knee that's possible to, to be wrapped and, and uh, ruined, ruined everything in my knee. Really? And from that moment on, I wasn't the same. I couldn't move the same. I, uh, I had to fight. I had to work much harder to stay professional football. And from that moment on, I started uh, uh, tackling, sliding tackles. Uh, Mm. Yeah, every yeah. now and then uh, over the edge, and every now and then far over the edge. Right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, so going back to your first impressions of Brighton, what did you know about them? Had you? I mean, you probably had you just watched the FA Cup final when you watched when, the FA Cup final. Yeah. Because um, I think that Arnold Muren, uh, a famous Dutch player, was playing for Manchester United, so we had to watch it, uh, all of us. And um, in, in Holland, it's, it's always been um, like in England. I don't know if it's still the same, but the FA Cup is the biggest cup to watch. The entire country, ever from when I was four or five, I watched the FA Cup. So I've seen it. I've seen play Brighton. I've seen Brighton. Uh, I've seen Jimmy Case. I've seen yeah. Tony Grealish there playing. And, and I've seen the big chance, the big massive chance of Gordon Smith and so that's what I knew about Brighton. Yeah. And uh, for the rest, I, I didn't know anything. Yeah. I didn't so, know anything. So, when I, you, I was, I, so you didn't know anything much about the city, I guess, as well. So when you first got here, um, what was the setup like um, at Brighton compared to what you'd experienced in the Netherlands um, on the pitch? But also, how did you sort of find um, settling into Brighton itself, the city, the place? Well, in... in I arrived in, in the Courtney's Hotel where, um, where Danny Wilson uh, was staying with his wife. Um, and, and, the, and the next day was my first, uh, my first day at Brighton. And I was quite nervous. I was excited. Uh, I only met uh, Chris Catlin, uh, the boss. Uh, and I was surprised that um, we trained in the stadium in Holland, uh, the clubs where I was. Uh, we trained in, in a fantastic uh, training accommodation. And, first training was in the park <laughs> yeah uh, right uh, opposite uh, the goldstone ground and i never never played football in the park and yeah then it started i wanted to uh, present myself and uh, chris catlin the boss he uh, he was only 35 36 i think he played in in in, in the final uh, um eight side game at that first training session and he was uh, with the yellow bibs and I belong to the to the blue bibs and players were flying uh, in, in the air. Jimmy Case was flying in the air who normally uh, makes people fly. Uh, I tackled and uh, I even tackled the boss and then everyone was clapping at my first training session that I was giving hard tackles to Chris Catlin and from that moment on I was one of the guys. Um, it, it, it wasn't it, it wasn't difficult if we if all those um, players that all had big names, the Himikes, Tony Grealish, uh, second year Frank Wilkinson, but uh, then Danny Wilson, Joe Corrigan, Terry Connor, they were all well you, your neighbor, your neighbor. <laughs> yeah. That's what I liked straight away from the players in England. They were your next door neighbor. No one had it uh, in his head. No yeah. one thought he's bigger than whatever uh, a lorry driver. And yeah. From that moment on, first training session, I was one of the guys. Yeah, how Crazy would you? End. 
Yeah, <laughs> Crazy Hands. Is that what your nickname was, Crazy Hands? Yeah, that's what was my nickname. Yeah, okay. So, um, so how would you describe your personality off the pitch at the time that you arrived at Brighton? And what was your, what do you think of the way of life there? Um, I was, uh, I think, 23. Uh, I was young. I was single. Uh, I enjoyed uh, Brighton. Um, the Tuesday nights were, uh, except from all the training sessions we had, Tuesday night was the night for the for the for the boys for the lads, and um, it was Jimmy Case night. So whether you are married and have three children, whether you are married and you haven't got children, when you have whether you have a girlfriend, or in my situation whether you are single. You had to go for a few hours with the with the with the guys. We started at Woody's, drinking. Uh, we we finished at Fagans. Uh, so the girls were uh, very, very many many uh, girls uh, were, were very um, intimate, intimate, uh, how you call it, impressed with uh, football players that that were in the pubs. So I had uh, off the pitch a very good time as well. It took me a while to come to my good English, but I had a good time there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we get enough of that. My, uh, my wife is smiling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've said before, you said earlier in this podcast, actually, that Chris Catlin was your all-time favorite manager. So what was it about yeah. him that you liked so much? We played, um, we played happy football. Um, of course, he had stress, like every manager has, has got stress because it, it, to be a manager is a horrible job. Graham Potter has got a, a, a horrible job because fighting to every year, fight, fight, fight to, to stay up, fight to keep, to keep three teams under you. Uh, you have to, to um, win against West Bromwich Albion and then uh, seven minutes from the end, uh, West Bromwich Albion scores the equalizer. And it's, 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 uh, but with him, it was... Happy football. Um, the the tactical uh, meetings weren't long. The the system was always the same. Everyone who came in, one player out, other player in. You you were two two um, central midfield field players that played alongside each other. A deep striker, a number ten alongside him, a uh, little bit off him. Two hanging hanging wingers, hanging in the left, hanging on the right. So if the hanging on the right player went out or was suspended or injured, he kept it all simple. Everything was simple. We had always had fun. He never said uh, to Steve Foster, Steve, what happened uh, last, uh, last night when it was a Tuesday night? No, he, he thought it's okay. Go. We all work hard. We all we played well. Of course, that helped. We, we won so much that, uh, that year in the... The, the year before they were relegated in the championship uh, season, it was fantastic. We we, we played uh, in the championship second uh, level uh, with Manchester City, with Chelsea, with Blackburn Rovers, with Leeds United. It was a great league, and uh, we were doing very well. And he 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 made us happy. He was the boss. He was he was absolutely the boss. I like to have a manager who's the boss. We do it my way, otherwise uh, you, you can take the highway. That was Chris Catlin. But he, he was all, also your friend. And um, he, he made us all feel comfortable. Yeah. And he, he wasn't uh, a guy who said uh, to the number 12 or number 13 because he was not playing. Because you're, you're always disappointed if you're not playing. But he wasn't a guy 
who uh, I have seen and I, I have had a lot. Um, yeah, today, because of technical reasons and because the opponent plays like this, you don't play uh, Hans or, uh, or, or Tony or, or Terry Connor. No, he said, these are the best 11 and the other seven or eight must make sure they belong to the best 11. And for the rest, no news. And I've always remembered that. No sneaky talks. No, he was, he was and uh, is uh, probably uh, so unbelievably straight. And that's not old-fashioned. If he will be the manager now uh, of the top club, it will still work. It would still work and it will still work. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I hope uh, Chris, Bos, I hope you uh, you listening. I hope you see this because you deserve it. Great, great tribute. You, there's some great moments that fans remember you from, um, such as celebrating with the away fans against Notts County in 1985. Um, you don't see many players try to uh, jump into the crowds these days, especially not over fences. And and uh, uh, there's the pogoing at corners, um, and and it all helped you become an, an absolute legend at the club even though you only played 23 games, I think it was. So that's remarkable, really, to leave that in sort of impression. Um, fans who saw you play really love you. Why do you think that is? I think it started uh, after I convinced um, uh, the boss that uh, I could uh, control myself. During training sessions, he said, Hans, uh, I, I, I want to put you in in the midfield alongside uh, Steve Foster uh, as a right fullback. I started as a right fullback. I made my debut against Fulham uh, at home at the great uh, Goldstone ground. Um, I had to uh, convince him that I could control myself. And then uh, after two months, I was playing four or five games in a row and we played uh, Sheffield Wednesday away. And after, after 20 minutes, I got a horrible tackle my way. Not their way, <laughs> my way. Uh, I broke my ankle after 20 minutes, but I, I, I loved playing football for Brighton. I, at last, I was in the team and uh, I didn't say anything. At halftime, I, uh, I took my boot off. I, I, uh, I showed it to the physio. He said, I think you've broken your ankle. I said, don't tell the boss, don't tell the boss. Put me in the eyes. And so I played the whole, the whole second half with a broken ankle. Right. And then the next day, uh, they, uh, in, in the hospital at Brighton, you broke your ankle. And then uh, big news in the evening, Argus. Hans Gray says sorry to all uh, Brighton fans that he broke his ankle. He says sorry to the boss and he doesn't want to have wages as long as he's injured. I don't know why I said it, but <laughs> it, felt, it felt so, so, um, so horrible. It felt so disappointing. It felt my whole world was falling apart. And then, uh, yeah, I didn't want money. I didn't want anything. Uh, I was upset for, for, uh, for two months. So that's one of the reasons in one and a half year, uh, only 23 games. Yeah. I, I, I missed quite a bit by, uh, by injuries. Yeah, you had a great relationship and, with fans. Yeah, and, and, and to answer yeah. your question, then yeah. I came back and I was <laughs> all wind up. And, and I, yeah. everything that was uh, building up in my head, uh, what I wanted to show, and then... Uh, with corners, we, um, we at, at the Goldstone grounds, when we had the corner, uh, I was running up and down uh, the 16-yard box and players were following me and uh, coaches were saying, 
watch, watch this crazy guy from Brighton with the corners because he's very dangerous. Uh, central defenders were uh, whacking themselves, breaking the nose, walking against each other. And from that moment, it was uh, hands as evil. What do you think of that chant? It's funny. Uh, it's, better. it's better than nothing. <laughs> yeah. I, it's better, better than this thing. Hence is boring. Or can, can, he, can, he, can he get out of the team? No, it was. Uh, and, and, and the players liked it as well. They called me Crazy Hands. And uh, that, that's, that's gone now. That's gone. Crazy Hands is gone. This is Football, the Albion, and me with Richard Newman. If there's one thing this podcast misses most about not being able to cheer on the Albion at the Amex, it's not being able to pick up a pie at the same time from official supplier Piglet's Pantry. But fans can recreate that matchday experience with home delivery. And with Christmas around the corner, listeners to this podcast can benefit from 15% off their Christmas range for December pre-order and delivery only. Just visit piglet'spantry.co.uk and enter the code ALBIONXMAS. That's all one word, ALBIONXMAS, before the 1st of December at the checkout to get your discount. Follow Football, the Albion and me on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. For you, is it all about the relationship with fans trying to, when you were a player, to, to be appreciated by fans, to have that sort of two-way relationship? Something that's sort of lost a bit now, but it seems to be something that you did have. Um, I always had a, had a feeling that um, after Brighton and at, at the Dutch clubs I played at and um, at most of the clubs I had a good connection with the crowd because all, I always had a feeling a father goes with his uh, son of 12 years old and his other son, 8 years old, spends a lot of money, uh, buys a hot dog and he comes to Brighton, he comes to Feyenoord, he comes to Liverpool and they come to see you. They pay our wages. I, I've, I've always realized, not the club pays our wages, the, the, the fans pay your wages. Now, of course, you know, the, 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 big, the, the big companies, they, they are behind the club and uh, the big television money pays the, the wages. But I've always said, you play for a lorry driver, you play, you, you pay for the, you, you play football for, 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 the, for the fans that have to work very hard to, to get a ticket every week and they follow you to Newcastle and they follow you to uh, Liverpool. That was my feeling and that's, that's my honest feeling mm -hmm. and, um, and and also to make time for supporters. That that's in that was in, in the time at Brighton at 83, much easier to, to get supporters close because they, they saw us at Tuesday night and they could uh, touch us. And, uh, but now they're superstars, they're, 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 they're film stars, uh, the players. And still, I think you must have the respect for the spectators and still think they come to see you. They make ourselves millionaires. And that's why I'm very hard on television on many players who are big-headed with the big watches, the big cars. And, and um, I say a lot about that. And um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a little bit um, for the working class. I, I make television now, I think, for the working class. And when I'm now at the petrol station, um, I do this uh, for a long time, television. Mm -hmm. uh, they never uh, whisper. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm quite often uh, on television, uh, four or five nights a week. So a lot of football fans know me. So when I, I'm at the, at the petrol station or I come into the stadium, they don't just say, oh, that's uh, Hans. No, I'm the neighbor. So like, 
come on, Hans, can we have a picture? And uh, come on and uh, throw with your jacket. I throw with my jacket once uh, when I was a manager. Uh, yeah, I'm their next door neighbor. And you can't play that, you can't act that. That's, I, that's the way I am. Um, I mean, what does it mean if you're on television? What does it mean uh, uh, if you're a professional football player for Liverpool, Manchester United, Chelsea? Uh, are you bigger? Are you better than, than your neighbour? Are you uh, better than uh, someone who's working from eight to five uh, for, for very, very little wages? That's the way I'm uh, into, into football. Yeah. Sorry for the long explanation. No, that's it. I mean, it's, it's, really, it's really great to hear. And um, hopefully, you know, there are some footballers who, I guess, are a bit more, uh, who share those views. I guess that there probably a lot, there are a lot of footballers that don't. But yeah, it's, um, it's great to hear. Sorry to interrupt you, Richard. Um, yeah. It makes, makes me think about uh, a player that um, is so much loved. I do the, the analysis of, the, of yeah. the, I'm allowed to do the analysis of the Dutch national team. And Virgil van Dijk, uh -huh. um, hopefully he'll come back, he'll recover soon, but that, will, that won't be soon. He is um, uh, uh, armed and padded by all the, the Dutch national team uh, spectators because he, he shows us that uh, you should be one of them. And he is one of us. He's one of the, the supporters. Uh, yeah, he's so unbelievably normal. He's so under, he's a he's a supporter player, supporters player. So we've got Virgil van Dijk, he, and he's a big, big example for uh, all the little kids and all the, uh, the, the the girls who are starting to play football in this country. So he's he's a big example. So mm. sorry for explaining this. No, 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 you're right. And I think there are <laughs> very similar players at the moment at, at Brighton. The likes of um, Adam Lallana is a is a very good example. Yeah. someone that's very grounded. Um, Going back to your career, when you, you left Brighton, um, so yeah, 80, 85, is, how did that come about? And, and do you sort of wish, you look back and, and wish you stayed? Yeah, I, uh, I've had nightmares over leaving uh, Brighton because it was, uh, it was all the fault of uh, my friend uh, Frank Worthington, um, uh, who I was getting along with very, very well. I saw him uh, uh, in, 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 in private at his home uh, very often. We went out together, we were friends, and um, he said after, uh, after my two years and after his first year at Brighton, Hans, what, uh, what are your wages? And uh, I said, uh, Frank, uh, 80,000. And uh, what are, is your sign, what's your signing on fee? Uh, None. I said, what are your wages? He said, 80,000. I said, what is your signing on fee? None. He said, Hans, we had a great season, you and I. We asked for 100,000 and 10,000 signing on fee. And uh, I said, okay. So uh, he went in first, 10 o'clock, and he uh, shaked his head, said, uh, I'm leaving, no signing on fee, I'm leaving. So then I came in, and I overestimated myself so much, because for half the wages, I would have stayed. Mm. But I said to the boss, I want the same as Frank, because I think I deserve it. I said, he said, Hans, I would love to, 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 to give you a 10,000, uh, signing on fee. I would love to give you 20,000 extra, but we would love to keep you, but 80,000, that's it. And then uh, I said, okay, boss, um, I think about it because there is a, a, a Dutch Premier League club, RQC, uh, who wants me. And uh, they phoned me those uh, last couple of days a lot. 
I said, uh, let me think about it 24 hours, please. And uh, then they offered it a crazy uh, uh, contract for Holland's five-year contract with everything, everything, everything. I said, boss, sorry, boss, sorry. I'm so sorry, but I have to go. And, and I thought I had a little, I was a little homesick, but after two days in, uh, in Holland, I was homesick to, to Brighton and I have so many nightmares over, over it. That that's the most stupid football decision of my life to, uh, to go for money. Yeah, I told you everything, how, how modest I am, modest, uh, how I am to supporters and that money doesn't, doesn't interest me. And still I went for a five-year contract uh, and a lot of money to, back to Holland. How stupid can you, can you be? And then uh, uh, Chris Catlin phoned me uh, at the preseason, two months later. Hans, come back. And uh, then I, I still had the opportunity to come back. I didn't do it and uh, yeah, still regrets. Uh, you clearly really loved your time at Brighton. What is it? Yeah. What is it then that really? What's like the, the one thing that really made it different to the other places that you played? The dressing room uh, is different in England. Um, the apprentices, I don't know if they still have them. Uh, you, 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 in England, uh, once one apprentice uh, does five uh, players mm -hmm. uh, clean their boots, put the, the towels down. Uh, wash your uh, training uh, clothes um, the, the the atmosphere in 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 a in a in an english um, dressing room it was totally different than in holland in in in, in, in holland they're all so concentrated they all take it so serious with towels over their head and frank uh, frank worthington said danny wilson said it joe corrigan uh, fuck the towels fuck the concentrations uh, Frank Worthington, uh, I can remember Brighton. No, well, one of the big games. Um, he five, ten minutes before the game started, he walked into the players' lounge and uh, he watched how his horse was running, who he betted on, and it was okay. You can play, uh, you, you can do a warming up if you want to. Not those crazy, crazy warming ups we see now with a warming up coach and uh, a second warming up coach and we must do a knees and highs and sprint and all that all this overdone stuff it, it wasn't there it is there now in england as well <laughs> but um yeah going to an away game and uh, I, I can remember huddersfield town away beginning of the season um one day before the game um we went into a hotel and then at 10 o'clock, Chris Clatin said, okay, uh, guys, a few rules. If you're going at home, if you, at home to bed at 11 o'clock, you don't go at 12 o'clock here, 11 o'clock you go to bed. If you go to bed at half past 12, you go to bed at half past 12 and not at 11 o'clock. I don't put you in bed. If you drink one glass of wine before the game at home, you drink one glass of wine in this uh, training camp. Uh, in, in this hotel, and if you drink two pints of lager, okay, you all do the same as at home. <laughs> and then at one o'clock, Chris Catlin, I was in my bed, of course, because I was scared to death to, that, that he'd seen, it saw me. And I did hear him come down at one o'clock, and uh, Steve Foster, uh, Jimmy Case, Joe Corrigan at one o'clock uh, were sitting with big pints of lager. And what the hell? The whole hotel was, was awake. What the hell you think you're doing? 
En dan Jimmy Case zegt, same as at home, boss. <laughs> it's, yeah, everything. And then the next day they were there. They, they were there. They, they played well. And, and then he wasn't angry. Uh, he was above them, above us. He was between us, above us, above us. He was hard. He was straight. He was funny. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll come back to Albion uh, now, well, how they're doing now in a little bit and, and how you still follow them. You returned to Netherlands and played for over a decade, played for a lot of clubs. Um, yep. uh, and then you moved into coaching and management for a while. And it seems like the, the rise of SC Linden really caught the imagination in your country. Can you sort of um, paint a picture of what happened there? You managed to get them all the way up to, was it the, the third or fourth tier? Or was it but from, from very low? Yeah, um... I didn't want to become a manager because I, I was working for television already and uh, the, the, the club uh, is it's, it's 25 uh, miles away from here, 20 miles away from here. The owner of the, manager, the, owner of the club comes in uh, to me, uh, we're rock bottom in, in, in the sixth division uh, of, of Holland. The, the, yeah, we got uh, Premier League, we got Championship, First League, uh, second, uh, second Division and then even so, two leagues down. We only got uh, 200 spectators and uh, we want to be a good club. Can you save us? Can you help us, Hans? I said no. I said no. And then I said yes. What I should have said when Kathleen phoned me again. And we started uh, in a Chris Kathleen way. Everything is we. We, um, the, the people behind the bar, the people uh, that was our close. When we win, it's we. When we lose, it's we. It, 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 I made it a happy team. And we started winning. And we started winning 1-0. We were lucky. We were getting penalties in the last minute. After uh, three home games, um, my wife is sitting one uh, yard away from us. She, she has, has seen everything. We, we were building in one week extra stands because the people from everywhere, they wanted to see our happy football. We were playing full gas uh, football, like uh, Jurgen Klopp uh, always uh, says. We were uh, closing them down. We were, uh, yeah, we were winning, and then at, at, we made the playoffs. We won the playoffs from rock bottom. Um, year after, six games, one point in in a higher league, and we we started to keep confidence and and winning. We got up again. The year after, everyone said if they can stay up, and we had so the stadium was too small. We had a very small uh, ground where 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 four or five thousand people, did, but there were seven, eight, nine uh, coming to the to watch us. We were um, getting to the quarterfinals of the of the uh, Dutch FA Cup. We have the, the small club, so everyone in Holland uh, loved FC Linden, and uh, we finished at the uh, second division. The the, the 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 one league under the the Eredivisie. Yeah, wow. So that was a fantastic time. Um, I was lucky to have good players. I yeah. must admit, but I was uh, yeah, I was I was hard. I was very hard, but we always played happy, happy, sexy football. Mm -hmm. Yeah, incredible Tried story. To. Yeah, incredible story. See, that you weren't really interested in in going into coaching or management. No, you had no, started no, this whole no. TV career. But how how did you move into TV? I uh, when I was twenty eight, so that's that's three years after my Brighton time. 
I realized I wouldn't become a millionaire in, uh, in, in football. I started writing uh, uh, a column in, in, in a small uh, a sports magazine. People uh, were reading it and uh, they said, you're, you're very, very uh, straightforward. Uh, yes, 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 and no, is no in column. I was very critical. I, uh, from, from, from the moment I play football, I uh, don't like referees. I hate the VAR. I, uh, I hate goalkeepers that uh, don't come out of uh, their line. So I was writing all of that. So um, a local radio station said, can you make uh, one, one pilot for us? And uh, I said, no, I don't make pilots. I want to be on the, on the radio straight away then. So, okay, you can, have a, you can have a go. Five minutes with the manager. Um, I think it was my first... I think Bobby Robson uh, was the first one I, uh, I interviewed at, at oh. PSV. Mm -hmm. So I had an interview and, uh, in the south of Holland, because that's where uh, Bobby Robson was the, was the manager. And uh, the boss of the biggest Dutch uh, national radio station was by accident uh, driving uh, through the south of Holland and he did hear me. He phoned mm -hmm. me afterwards. He said, Jesus, hands, what was this? unbelievably bad this was so disgustingly bad this interview okay thank you very much uh Jaap, i said because this was my first interview and this is exactly the confidence i needed the push i needed <laughs> thank you very much you idiot and he said oh watch it with you idiot i uh, i take you on straight away because it's so original you you need a lot of uh technical things in asking questions but it's, it's, it's so funny, it's so original, you work with us. And I worked with him, he, he teached me everything. And after two years, he went uh, to the television and he took me to a sports program at television. And that's in 1997. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, 23 years that yeah. I'm doing uh, this, this work. And uh, to be honest, uh, especially in, the, in this Corona time, We've, been, we've all been three months at home and there was not enough football because you played football. We, we didn't play football at all mm -hmm. for three months due to our horrible government. Uh, but um, yeah, during that time you realize, oh, I've got the best job. After football, I've got the best job to be in all the stadiums, to, 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 to talk to all the, the, the top managers, to talk to Ronald Koeman, to... to uh, yeah, the final players, the Ajax players, my friends, I don't look for friends, uh, Hakim Ziyech, he's my friend, who's uh, playing at uh, Chelsea now. Yeah, um, yeah. You, you even more realise that, that you're lucky. Yeah, uh, it, it's, um, you have an incredible job. Um, <laughs> it's about, uh, the envy of many, including myself. And we're talking during this COVID-19 pandemic and, you know, it's such a strange... Uh, time for sports in general. I mean, do you sort of think that the are, are there still are there still people listening after all this rubbish? And I'm, 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 I I'm, imagine we're gaining listeners the whole time. People are not, <laughs> uh, they don't want to miss a minute. Um, do Do you think that the do you think the effects of of COVID will be felt in football for quite a long time? Do you think there's going to be? I think at the start of it, people were talking about whether there would be positive changes in football in terms of maybe coming back from the commercial, like the sort of very much, it's about a business. But since then, we've heard about, you know, the transfer fees were still being huge, haven't they? We've, yeah. um, we've then, then over the last few weeks, we've heard about the possibility of a European Premier League. Where do you think the fo football might go? Is it gonna, 
affect some of the lower teams maybe and some of the bigger teams are going to take advantage of that? Yeah, the lower teams in, uh, in, the, in, in our championship, not in our Premier League. In our Premier League, no one is struggling at the moment uh, because uh, we, Fox Sports, not I, we, we are paying them um, mm. under the circumstances a lot of money to, um, to uh, let them play in, uh, in, in empty stadiums uh, on, the tele on, on television. Um, so they are not in trouble, but in the championship there are four or five clubs at the bottom, uh, they are getting in, into trouble, in big trouble, if this will carry on for um, until spring. They will fall over. Uh, is that good English? They, they will yep. fall. Yep. They, they will. Yeah. So that's the situation in, uh, in, in Holland. But like, like in England, in, uh, the big clubs, the amount of money they're getting uh, in England, that's mm. unbelievable. Eh? So they will, they will see that out. Yeah. Um, how much of Brighton do you watch now? We at our channel, Fox Sports, um, we, we, have the, we have the German football, but we don't have the, the Premier League. The Premier League is by Seagull uh, Sport. And uh, to be honest, I don't watch it every, every weekend because all the games in the Championship in, in Holland and in the Premier League are spread out. Is it good? So we play it Tuesday evening, we play it Wednesday afternoon, we play it Friday evening. That's why I'm every day in the stadium. Tonight I'm, I'm, I'm in the studio to do the analysis uh, all night. No, we, we don't have one night off, but uh, it's all uh, spread, spread out. And um, yeah, so when I'm at home, I have to watch uh, the Dutch Premier League. So I see it, I see always the highlights, mm -hmm. but I don't see many uh, uh, whole games. Mm -hmm. We've got you know, a couple of Dutch players in our squad at the moment. David Brown yeah. been there for three years now. Um, he's not really played yet so far because of injury. Um, how do you think he's done? And we've also got Joel Veltman as well, came in from Ajax. He was a bargain. Um, yeah, I'm angry. <laughs> go on, why? Yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, um, ever since uh, Chris Hewton, people, well, I, uh, I played for Brighton. Not every manager uh, should know that, has to know that. But they know it because Chris Hewton, uh, Jürgen Locadia, will say, for, oh, Hans, Hans Gray, I know him because he interviewed me a lot. And uh, he played here as well. Mm. And Jürgen Locadia uh, tells uh, Chris Hewton and uh, Joel Feldman will tell Graham uh, uh, Potter, um, if, you, if you, he sees, Hans Gray sees every single game. Everyone, all my colleagues see see every single minute in the, in the Premier League and in our championship. So why don't they give me a call? Why doesn't anyone from Brighton give me a call if they, uh, ask, they go and get uh, Jürgen Locadia? So Jürgen Locadia goes to Brighton. Big news. Uh, we interview him. Um, I'm not angry. I'm not disappointed. But then um, a young uh, uh, reporter from, from the evening, Argus Stones, New York, Hans, uh, Jürgen Locadia, is that a good number nine? Have we, have we done it well, Brighton? No, you've done horrible. Horrible? Yeah, he is not a number nine. He is a sneaky number 11. He, he plays off a number nine. Mm -hmm. So do, do, do you think it's a target man? He's not a target man. Why do you spend so much money and don't give me one phone call? It's ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. Chris Newton, you're not good by your head. Let your assistant phone or let an agent phone. I see every single game. I, I love Brighton. The same with um, um, Ali Reza Jan Bucks. I've seen him uh, score uh, 
all his goals as a free right winger of AZ Alkmaar. But if you would have asked me, um, will, he, will he make it uh, as a right winger in, uh, in England? Then I say, well, I've got my doubts because not many uh, players really play with, with right winger. Many teams really play with right winger. They play with in between and in between uh, the, the, the lines. Um, yeah, I would have given them an, 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 an advice as well. But now no one, no one does it. Uh, Davy Proper, they don't have to phone me for it because he's a national team player and he's a really technical player who gives um, uh, Brighton a boost uh, in football and technically wise over the ground playing football. Yeah, they don't have to phone, but I, I don't understand it. Sorry. Mm. Okay. Should, well, now, I, now, now I'm angry. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, then, as someone, I'm going to try and make you happier then and then ask you to do that job. So, as someone who works extensively in Dutch football, if you can name a talent who would boost the Premier League team, so maybe Brighton, who should they be trying to bring to England? Well, um, they've done that uh, without phoning me, but um, <laughs> I'm. <laughs> We're Hakem Jean Jean Paul van Hekken. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jean-Paul van Hecke, they, they bought him. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a very young, young player and uh, he played for NAC Breda, that's the, the championship team. They brought him in uh, and I saw him play two games. And after two games, of course, I'm very, very often wrong as well. After two games, I saw everything what a central half needs. He's, he's a good header. He's uh, got a good basic technique. He plays the ball hard on the right foot. Um, uh, he's a good tackler and uh, does his job, nothing else. And after two games, I said, Ajax final, PSV, I said, they should get him. They should. He only played uh, 20, 21 games in the, in the, in the championship uh, uh, um, for Nak Brida. Brighton has bought him for two million. That's a great, great, great buy because he will go uh, and have the, the career um, that... Um, um, I, I won't say Virgil van Dijk, but after two years Brighton, they will sell him for uh, 40 million, 45 million, 50 million. Brighton will sell him if he stays fit and two two big clubs. So Jean-Paul van Hecke. But I know a lot of Jean-Paul van Hecke's and I know a lot of uh, midfield still players that you can uh, buy for a bargain. But uh, they don't phone me. We look forward to seeing a lot more of him. Now, look, look, at near the end of each podcast. Stop, stubborn people. <laughs> no, we, we, we finish each podcast um, near the end of it we start we play a game called Jumpers for Goalposts I'm going to ask you to pick a five-a-side team um, from players you've played with who've had a lasting impact on you they don't all need to be from Brighton or any of them need to be from Brighton but who, what would your five-a-side team be? I'm going to give you some names and you're going to be shocked because I I don't overestimate me. I'm a very simple uh, uh, player who needs to win the ball and give it to the same color shirt. And that is my job. Mm -hmm. But I was very, very lucky, Richard, to play with some uh, very good players in the five side. Do we need a goalkeeper as well? You, you, can, have no. a rush, you can have a rush goalkeeper if you want. Yeah, yeah you, okay. We, I, I take Joe Corrigan as a goalkeeper because uh, the Dutch goalkeepers are disgusting. <laughs> I've played with so many very, very bad goalkeepers and with the, those crazy build-up balls, uh, now you can build up in your, your own uh, penalty box, eh? all those crazy coaches, all those crazy goalkeepers, do they think that that's you, you, you will score a goal from your back, backyard line? Chris Ketting will shoot you. 
put a bullet in, 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 in the back of your knees. But okay, uh, Joe Corrigan uh, in hey. goal. Yeah. And then I can pick five, another, five others. Huh? If you like, yeah, go for it. Go on. Your hands cray. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> um, when I was very young, I played in, uh, when I was 19, uh, Ruth Gollett uh, and I played together. He was 17 for uh, Harlem mm -hmm. uh, in the Dutch, in the Dutch Eredivisie. Yeah, he is so unbelievably uh, good and strong. And um, yeah, so Ruth Gollett is in it. Mm -hmm. um, Frank Worthington. Mm -hmm. That is uh, my friend, uh, Frank. Um, he is now 72, 73. So the young viewers will think, what is he talking about? But what an uh, exception uh, uh, in English football where we uh, were all fighting. Now we have skillful players, but in that time, 94, 1984, 1985, Frank Worthing was playing often number nine of Terry Connor. Uh, he did everything with skill. He's got, he had a fantastic left foot and he didn't go for a header, but he, 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 wanted to, he waited for the second ball and touched it fantastically and gave it fantastically. And everything with him was something like Hakim Ziyech has got, something special. Every ball had a meaning uh, with him. So Frank Worthington, sorry, it was yeah. too long. No, that's good. I, I only have to work in five hours. So I, <laughs> Uh, George Best, of course, but, uh, yeah. I, I explained it. Mm -hmm. uh, Eric Ten Hag, uh, he's the manager of Ajax. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I played with him at uh, the Grass Cup. Um, then uh, we were in the championship and uh, we had an unbeaten championship uh, season with the Grass Cup. <laughs> Nobody will know the Grass Cup, but Eric uh, is my friend. Are you surprised he, uh, whilst you're on talking about Eric, are you surprised he hasn't moved on from Ajax? Another club hasn't? Tried to get him. I know he was. There was talk about Bayern Munich if Hansi Flick hadn't hadn't been. Yeah, you know, you know, you know everything. <laughs> Not everything. No, his his, his dream is uh, is England. Is uh, okay. Eric's dream is, is is England, and then really play play the football um, that Liverpool plays. Um, they 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 played. Talking about Liverpool, they played fantastic against Liverpool and should have at least have a, have a draw a, a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. uh, he makes teams uh, happy, uh, but really happy with very good football. And I think it's his last year at Ajax. So clubs that are uh, listening, uh, you can always uh, listen to the podcast of uh, Richard Newman and then uh, Eric Ten Hag will come over. I, I will bring him over. <laughs> Very good. And uh, the last one is uh, uh, Ruth van Nistelrooy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I played with him in the in the our championship division at uh, Den Bosch. Um, I was, um, I think, uh, 32, 33, and he was uh, 17. Mm -hmm. And he was so unbelievably insecure as a striker. Yeah, really? When, whenever we had at the Friday's uh, training uh, session, eight against eight or 11 against 11, when he didn't score, his head was hanging down and everything was uh, uh, unhappy. So then I always, when he was unhappy, after the training session on Friday, I gave him uh, 125 crosses from the right-hand side or 125 crosses from the left-hand side. We took one goalkeeper and then when he five headers uh, in the top corner and he hit the net fantastically, I said, okay, Ruth, we're ready tomorrow, three goals. So that was my time with, uh, with Ruth. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's he, a good uh, team. Yeah, it's a good team. 
That's a very good team. Yeah. And who do you and who do you think will be who who will be managing uh, this team? Uh, yeah, be Chris, be Chris Kaplan, won't it? Chris. Yeah. Okay. Look, if you could um pick one game, I guess for Fox Sports, uh, to show of yours from your time at Brighton, if you can pick one match from your time at Brighton to play on Fox Sports for some highlights, what would you choose? We all have got something selfish in our in ourselves, eh? That's, that's not good English. We all are yeah, yeah. a bit selfish. We played with Brighton um, when we were still uh, in, in, in charge uh, for promotion uh, in 84. In Notch County away. <laughs> I think they went really down um, sellout, sellout stadium, Notch County away. And we were playing horrible, horrible. And we were so unbelievably lucky to stay in the game for with one all. And then in the extra time, uh, the boss said, come on, Hans, go, go with the corner, Frank Wilfton. Nah, it wasn't Frank Wilfton. We were taking the corner and then the ball came from my left foot. And with my left foot, I can do absolutely nothing. And I hit it top corner. The game was over. I, I was jumping into the, 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 the Brighton fans that were driving 10 hours to Notch County. And I was man of the match, John Vinnicum from the evening Argus, who never, ever, ever, ever thought of think choosing me. He said, the time is there. Man of the match. I played horrible. We all played horrible. But um, that's the game. It's that winning moment. Yeah, I thought that would be the game that you would choose, I have to say. Now, I'm going to hit you with a little shootout of football-related questions. Um, give you a few options. Just give me your first response. Uh, Goldston with Dean or the Amex? Goldston. First Goldston, then Goldston, and then Goldston. Okay, cool. And then the VAR. Goldston ground, geez, unbelievable. People could, could touch you. They could touch the, the linesman. Yeah. It's a incredible, incredible memories of that ground. Uh, VAR or no VAR? VAR. You, in, in England, I say it all the time in our te television programs, in, in, you do it better than, than we. You know what's happening with, 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 with us? I give you a cross. I'm the right winger of Feyenoord, you're the centre forward of Feyenoord and you're hanging in the air and you're headed and uh, you, you, you score the 1-0. One, 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 one no one is worried, everyone is jumping up and down, the final supporters, you scored, I had an assist. You know what's happening in Holland? Those bloody referees are, are saying, no, no, you, you can't uh, celebrate the goal. And they're waiting for four or five minutes before the kick-off again. Mm. It's unbelievable. The VAR has ruined everything. Yeah, you say we're doing it better. I wouldn't say. <laughs> I, think no. pretty, I think there's a lot of people. <laughs> Does it yeah. take as long with you as well? Well, not. As, I think it's just the just the the minuscule, the tiniest things that are. That's the annoying thing here. It's the it's the way that rules are interpreted, or it's the the fractions that rule out a goal. Um, when you can't really say whether it should have been one or the other, it's um, it's causing a lot of just mm. as much debate or more than than when we didn't have it probably. Yeah, we've, we, we've, we've uh, Fox Sports, we've uh, stolen your uh, offside lines as well now. Oh, okay. We yeah. have, we, we've got your offside lines. Thanks a lot. Rubbish. <laughs> um, do you prefer... Bloody, a bloody, what, what the hell? Your offside lines. <laughs> Jesus. God, we're, um, we're in agreement on that. Do, do you prefer a day or a night match? Um, a day match because... Uh, then you can see all the spectators that are watching you at the Goldstone ground and people in the houses above the stands in the Goldstone grounds, they're hanging out of their windows and we, you want to see them. You mm -hmm. must see, the, see them all, mm -hmm. day matches. 
Um, we asked this in each podcast as well, but you sort of given two answers. So I'm going to ask you for another one. So if you, could, if you could influence one thing about the game today, so it could be a rule change or it could just be something, a behavioral thing that something annoys you, what would that be? And I guess away from VAR and away from, uh, um, because that's, that's one that you know, we know you've changed. And another thing, is, of course, is for players to stay humble. Um, what would be another thing that maybe that you would choose? Um, I would um, um, put a put a big uh, uh, black line through the new uh, rule that you can build up in your own sixteen uh, yard box mm -hmm. because the goalkeeper is I'm the goalkeeper the right right central defender is uh, two yards away from me and the left central defender is two yards away from me. Which bloody manager will think that the right central defender? Um, will uh, play uh, the number 10 in and then the third man is number six and then ball goes to do the number seven and to go to the back line and the left winger will shoot it will score the goal it will never ever ever happen and why are all those stupid managers think that the central defenders should be uh, at the ball at at their back line if the central defenders of brighton are so very 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 good and very skillful they've got uh, number nine at the shirt or number 10 at the shirt and not number five or number six what a lunatics they are the goalkeepers are crazy the managers are crazy is brighton doing it as well building uh, up at uh, in their matt, own box i don't don't quote me on it but i think matt ryan has one of the best passing statistics in the in the premier league and it's basically because he plays the, the goalie and it's basically because he plays out yeah. from the back inside that area um more than any other team so i think brighton are probably one of the worst <laughs> one of the worst at it to be honest if you, if that's the thing um matt ryan stop it stop <laughs> it um look it's been so great speaking to you hans finally do you have a, a message for for brighton supporters well for the young brighton supporters i'd say um Enjoy it. Uh, you never heard about uh, Crazy Hands, about uh, the, the, the supporters uh, from, from 50 years uh, and onwards they, um, who know me. Thank you very much for the great time uh, you've given me in, in Brighton. Um, it, was a, it, 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 it was a big celebration time for, for, for two years and I hope the, the atmosphere uh, will be uh, soon as it has always been for the Brighton supporters and all the supporters in England because football without spectators is a different game and thank you so much for coming on the podcast it's been fantastic hearing your stories really appreciate your time thanks for coming on thank you very much richard thank you very much for uh, your time and uh, good luck to all the brighton supporters thank you very much Thanks so much once again to Hans for coming on the podcast. What a guest. Please do leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you can and share this podcast on social media too. I'll be back next week. Thanks for listening.